Everyone, let's give everyone a few more minutes. Okay, let's give it one another minute.
Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, I see, I don't know if we, if our new people know so much yet about how we, let's just do a, okay. Okay, all right, welcome everyone. Danny, you there? I, I am here, and I know that you are a fast typer from uh, what we were just listening to. <laughs> yeah, I am a very fast typer. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Oh, cool. Karen Boney also joined us today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him speaking rights as well. Oh, I haven't been on a Twitter spaces with Cambonia in a minute. I'm excited. Awesome, awesome. Um, I hate to do it here, yeah, but let's just ping our. We usually have quite a lot more. I think they've all got confused with times. Let's just. I'm going to go with 85 words a minute. That's, that's my prediction right now. <laughs> yeah we can hear the typing <laughs> yeah i'm also a hard hitter um okay all right let's get started yeah and we'll just rec uh, recap for people that join later okay so um right so i'm i'm, I'm here with bebit's dow and um i think we need to give people a bit of a background um so Okay, let's, do, let's take a little bit of walk through history first. So once upon a time, there was Lava Labs, and Lava Labs gave birth to CryptoPunks. And uh, sometime, what it was, a year, about a year ago, they decided that with the coming Metaverse platforms, they also need to have avatars. Is that, is that fair? Uh, yeah. yeah, cool. That's fair. Okay. Uh, and so they came up with, I think it was probably the, uh, which was the Mebits. Um, and then kind of Lava Labs did what they do best and said, cool, you've got the stuff now. We'll leave you all to that. <laughs> yeah, you cut out for a second there. I'm not sure if it was my phone or yours, but um, I, I, I caught most of what you said. And, and I think that you're getting the story mostly right, that the... Larva Labs created the, the Mebits, which was the first 3D voxel metaverse-ready avatar, right? That was, that was the kind of the promise behind the collection. 10,000 went to CryptoPunk holders and Autoglyph holders. Um, the other 10,000 or so, 9,000, were sold uh, on the open market through a Dutch auction. Um, and this launched in May, the beginning of May of last year. And... You know, this was a big promise, right? Like metaverse ready avatar, right? Even though we're kind of very early in even understanding what the metaverse is. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done to actually kind of make that happen. And so a group of Mebit holders came together to form a DAO, uh, which called the Mebits DAO, to at that time kind of uh, partner with Larva Labs on the development of uh, the Mebits utility. Um, so with this big vision of we want to help to create the open metaverse um, and we're going to use Mebits essentially as the tool to help us get there. Um, and in doing so, build really cool utility around Mebits, hopefully benefit the collection and all of that. So that's kind of the background of how Mebits now got started. 
Cool. So, I mean, I, I think we have to talk about this a little bit because, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for ultimately for what, uh, you know, what Lava Labs has kind of given the space. But um, the mere fact that you felt the need to create the Mebits DAO as an independent group, independent from the Lava Labs ethos is, is a bit telling, right? Um, you know, because today utility is the name of the game. We expect founders and teams to build games and do amazing things if we buy into their product. And yet here, everyone kind of bought the Mebits or got given them if they own CryptoPunks. And uh, you're like, right, now we want some utility from it. We better do it ourselves because Lava Labs isn't going to provide it. I mean, to a certain extent, that's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't really know another example where in, in the NFT space where there's kind of utility being built by an independent group around a collection as opposed to kind of the developers themselves. And, and the other thing that's kind of interesting about it currently is there's no royalty associated with the collection, right? So there's no secondary royalty that's being generated. The only kind of funds that were generated from the creation of the, was the creation of the collection on, on primary sale. So that's also kind of a significantly different thing. Um, and, and kind of from the outset wasn't, it wasn't necessarily built with that like long-term utility creation in, you know, being built in. In the same way that CryptoPunks wasn't wasn't that. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so so you 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 guys got your mebits and you were like, okay, we you know we need to take this to the next level. And so you how tell tell me the history of how the DAO was actually formed. Um, yeah. yeah. Sure. So um, so there's a guy named Kai. Uh, who uh, has been around the NFT space for a while. He was kind of um, very active in the, in the um, CryptoKitties community um, and built the CryptoKitties kind of genome project. Um, and so it was really his idea to kind of create Amoebits DAO and to, to form this. And, and he's, you know, really deserves all the credit and kind of getting this off the ground. Um, after kind of initiating the process of starting the Mebits DAO, he uh, teamed up with some of the uh, original creators of Mozilla and, uh, and Firefox, um, and they created a Web3 startup um, incubator called BlockBlock. Block. And so kind of BlockBlock Block became also kind of part of the initial creation with Kai uh, of the Mebits DAO. And um, Kai contacted about uh, 150 or so different influencers in um, in the space in Web3, people who had MeBits, uh, many uh, crypto punk, punk holders as well, and invited them to be to be founders of the DAO. Uh, and they all contributed one ETH to the DAO uh, to kind of get it off the ground. They got a founder's token, um, which was really like a membership token. Um, and then with the founders in place, then they opened up general membership for 0.05 ETH to mint a general membership token. And where we've been building this interesting governance model for this DAO, which I don't really know where, where else this exists either, where the founders um, are the ones who actually get, have the voting power. They're the ones who can vote on the proposals. And you know, ultimately the majority of the treasury um, exists because of their contributions. The general members um, get to 
every month they claim an MVOX token, which is an ERC-20 token, and they can delegate it to a founder as their representative. So that increases the, the founder's voting power. And so this kind of creates an interesting governance model where we have kind of broad membership, um, but kind of somewhat uh, concentrated decision-making among uh, a smaller group of people. Fascinating. I mean, DAOs are like my big mental masturbation topic. I love to talk about DAOs. <laughs> the, the, the most... The most similar, the most similar structure I can think of is actually Magic Mushroom Clubhouse, which has um, a a voting a voting NFT called the Ancient Shrooms, and the hundred and fifty ancient shrooms are the only ones who have a voting power yet represent the entire Magic Mushroom Clubhouse community of ten thousand, and um, and of the hundred and fifty, they have a cabinet. Of, of nine people. So what happens is Magic Mushroom holders, general holders, will go and kind of connect to different ancient shrooms to push them to kind of, you know, will you take this proposal for me? Will you speak to the cabinet? Will you put this as a vote and so on? Yeah. Yeah, we have something similar. We have a steering committee um, and we're actually right now in the process of electing uh, the, a new steering committee. Um, which is actually made up of both founders and general members. You don't have to be a founder to be part of the steering committee. Um, and you don't get any extra rights uh, or benefits. It's more just kind of you're more involved in helping to chart the direction and kind of determine the proposals that are going up for a vote. Um, and so we have... Yeah, it's, 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 like yeah. The, it's like the equivalent of a, a board of governors versus a management, right? Right, right. And so that's a good, actually, introduction to, to who I am. Um, so my name is Danny Green, and my Twitter just at Danny Green with an E at the end. And um, I was hired by the DAO to be the general manager. Um, so I'm actually not a founder of the DAO. Um, I'm management uh, in that sense. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. So, okay. So... When, when the DAO was originally formed, what, was, what would you say its mandate was? Because, I mean, you did raise quite a lot of money. What, what was the idea of raising all of that money? Were you going to, you know, once again, so these are avatars. And as I understand it, you know, from speaking also to Carambonia in the past, that was the idea that you would kind of fund, fund the research or fund the, the, the artists and technical side needed to animate these avatars? Is, is, was that the point of the funds? Well, the, 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 the avatars are 3D voxel characters. Um, and so they, you know, they already had like form and shape, but the early days of the DAO um, was really about taking these voxel files and creating different file types for the avatars that could be used in different metaverse applications, right? So uh, we have vox files. Um, so. So we were able to create VRM files, GLB files, FBX files, and each of this different file type, again, it, it, it can be used in different ways. We're still at the early days of the metaverse. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, there's not a lot of standards in place for, for different create new platforms. And so having kind of a variety of different file formats is really helpful. So initially the DAO was involved with Carambonia in creating these different file types. We created them as owner downloads. Um, so every media holder had the ability to download their own file. Um, and then we took it one step further and we built an API 
where any metaverse application, a virtual world, a game, an AR application could incorporate the API code. And that would allow a MeBit holder to log in and access their avatar in that virtual world. So those are, these are the early days of the project. And, and to date, I think we're still the only like avatar collection that has an API that can be integrated into metaverse experiences. Okay. Okay. So, so, so in other words, you, you're saying that the vision is more than just um, kind of making avatar ready, avatars ready for the metaverse. You're saying that you, you say that again, Danny, you, you want to, you want to build with this as well? Yeah. So that's what we're all envisioning here, right? What, what, if, how do we get to ready play ready player one? Right, like, how do we get to the immersive metaverse that you can kind of live as your avatar and kind of play games or go on experiences or quests or kind of interact with AR uh, experiences and, and different things? And there's a long, a lot of things have to happen between now and then, right? There's a lot of technological development that has to happen. And so, what the Mebits DAO did was to say, like, that we want to be at the cutting edge of developing Mebits for that end. And, um, and so, you know, that's really our, our focus is like building the open metaverse. Okay, and so, all right, so, but, but let's expand upon that. Do you, do you want to partner with the current platforms available and the coming platforms and just make your assets uh, metaverse ready? Because let, let, let's give a comparable point, what I'm trying to get at. If we've got non-fungible people right now in the space as well, right? Non-fungible people, are created by DAS3D. And DAS3D's whole business model is not to create the platforms, but to help make sure that your avatars can be integrated into any platform you want, right? So they will take the, they will take the, the avatar, they will render it in, uh, within, for, the, for the Unity engine, for that real engine, um, for you know, for for decentraland, for sandbox, etc. Right? They they're just trying to make your avatars um, be easily transported into all of these different platforms. What what are they called? Again? Is oh uh, non fungible people. Non fungible, cool. But if you look under Daz three D, you'll you'll find them. That's the the parent company's Daz three D. Daz three D is also doing the animations now for CloneX. And so why I'm bringing them up is that's one route to go, which is just to say, look, we'll, we'll just optimize our avatars to fit in any metaverse platform that comes out, right? That's kind of option number one. Option number two is, and again, this seems to be where you guys are thinking as well, that, you, that you're going to make your, your own platform as well or, or, or some kind of hybrid between these two models. No, I, I would say we're more number one than number two. I'm, I'm not... Oh. I'm not yeah, I'm not looking to build a, meta a metaverse world right now. I'm looking to integrate MeBits uh, as broadly as possible so that it is the, the avatar that can be utilized and, and, and played in as many metaverse experiences as possible. So, yeah, that's And, you know, it's great to learn about okay. people and the 3D, uh, DAS 3D. Like, uh, I wasn't familiar with this, so... Thanks for turning me. Yeah, I'll, I'll put you in contact afterwards because our artist um, for Fat Cats is actually on that team, uh, cool. as is our as is our project manager. So you know, I'll gladly put you in contact with them. 
Um, okay, cool. So since your initial, initial vision, uh, what would you say some of the milestones of Nibit's DAO are? What, what, what have you guys uh, accomplished in terms of your goals and, and how have you changed your goals, right? Like I'm sure that this community has taken on a life of its own. Um, yeah, how are things going? Yeah, um, you know, I'd say, I'd say they slowed down a bit uh, prior, uh, like at the end of uh, fourth quarter. Um, and I was hired at the beginning of, of, of the year. And I think things have picked back up um, now that there's kind of actual full-time staff working on it. Um, and I think that's part of the, one of the challenges of DAOs, right? Is it does take some kind of leadership to kind of push things forward. It can't just be entirely community run without any, uh, you know, people who are really, really focused on, on its success. So yeah. in terms of, right. So, you know, that, that's the honest truth of kind of where we are. Um, I mean, let's, let's take a moment there because, because, because yeah. DAO has become a bit of a buzzword and it's, it's right. a bit, it makes me laugh because I mean, it's like, you know, I know there, there's no shortage of clever people in the space, but at the same time, there's a lot of professionalism and excellence missing. And when these guys kind of like will say the new word, like, oh, wow, we discovered fire, right? They talk like they've discovered fire for the first time. I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, we, have, we live in countries. We live in cities. We have corporations. Governance is governance. The DAO, the Web3 aspect of the DAO is just that we have new tools for voting and for verifying ownership. But, I mean, quality governance control is quality governance control. You always need your direct, you know, directorship, you need your governance, you need your management. And if you don't have those in place, it doesn't matter how fancy your contracts or how clever your mechanics are. Yes, no, you're entirely right, right? Governance is governance and organizations are organizations, right? And, uh, you know, no organization is going to succeed without some leadership behind it. And I think, you know, DAO is an acronym for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, right? And there's a lot of concepts kind of packed into that, that title and that phrase. Um, I would say that we don't do much of anything that's autonomous right now, right? Like there's a lot of interesting DAOs that are, you know, protocol DAOs where a lot of things are kind of set up to run uh, in an automated, automated way. Um, but an organiz a community-based DAO, which is what we are, is, it, it takes effort, right? It takes people actually doing stuff. Uh, every proposal that has to be written, every, and, and even how it gets carried out is much more of a manual process than an autonomous process, right? So in some ways, we're, we're a decentralized organization because the decision-making is, uh, you know, there's not a single decision-maker, right? It's a spread across the 200 founders, Um but yeah, we call ourselves a DAO. Cool. Okay. All right. So I, I took you on a bit of a tangent, but you were saying that, um, you know, it took a bit yeah. of time to get your governance set up and, and get all of the management right. workings. So what would you say you guys are working on now and, and where do you see yourself going? Yeah. So we are working on a, a number of things right now. So as, as you said, so we launched, there was a lot of things to get things up and running, right? From launching the, founders tokens to the membership tokens to actually this uh, governance utility token called that we call MVOX. Um, we also launched a pool of MeBits and fractionalized the pool under a different token called MVBT. And this was the idea that as MeBits continue to increase in value, we want 
everybody to still have the opportunity to get involved in this collection and this DAO and building the open metaverse. So we wanted to kind of create a proxy ownership to a pool of MeBits. So here's are some of the early projects that we did. And of course the API. But, but hold on a second. Would, wouldn't, I mean, isn't the whole point of your MeBits being able to kind of log in and use them? Isn't mm -hmm. how would people be able to rent them from that pool? What, what, what would be the reason? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that you're, that you're digging in on that. Yes, exactly. So the idea is that, um, you know, I'm exploring different wrapped NFTs uh, concepts right now, um, such that you would be able to rent that pool of MeBits um, that would benefit the MBBT holders uh, if there's any rental fees that come in. And um, it kind of gives more people access to be able to use this avatar in the metaverse experiences. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Right. Um, so again, like I cut you off again. Yeah, no, th that's like one avenue uh, of our roadmap, or that's one item on our roadmap that we're focused on. Um, we have a proposal that is uh, a vote that is actually ending today, um, but I'm pretty confident on how it's going to end because it's been unanimous, uh, <laughs> which is to build pixel MeBits uh, that's going to be integrated into World Wide Web 3. Um, so, you know, when I think about the open metaverse, there's a lot of different branches to the open metaverse. And we can kind of break that down and talk about the various different branches. But one of those branches is like the 2D metaverse, very pixelated, pixel-based, kind of a, a very retro look. Um, and I think web, Worldwide Web 3 is kind of leading the way in that area. So we uh, submitted a proposal to the DAO to create, recreate the entire 3D collection as a 2D collection <laughs> uh, in pixelated form um, for integration into Worldwide Web 3. And that, that's- so, that's, so, so, for, so for the listeners who don't know, this is a, you know, kind of, I, I try to use the word metaverse platforms because we're so far away from Ready Player One. But for those who don't know, Worldwide Web 3 is an NFT project where they have land and are integrating a lot of other 2D projects into their platform. Um, I mean, I, that's great. I, I, look, I think they, they are fantastic. I've been watching them closely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'll get the contacts from you because I've been trying to get hold of them as well. I, I think they're doing really fantastic stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. I, I, I think that's brilliant because, you know, ultimately, it doesn't matter if you high fidelity kind of like crypto bulls or if you're 2D like Satoshi runners or Llamaverse. The key point here is interaction with some kind of avatar that represents you. You know, in, in the Hindu faith, you know, the term avatar comes from uh, the physical kind of manifestation of the deities, right? That's where the term avatar comes from, from what I understand, right? It's, it's, it's said that Vishnu is the avatar of the Brahmin head and so on. And so an avatar is our way of taking the flatness that is Twitter, for example, and just giving it one more step of, uh, one more dimension of expression. And you can be extremely expressive in a 2D metaverse, just like you can in a voxel metaverse. Um, and, and I think that that is what we're rediscovering with these kind of classic looks. Because 2Ds, I mean, I remember 2D from the, from, you know, 1990, uh, when, when, when dot matrix and stuff were coming out. And um, it still holds so much interest and value to people. I, I think my favorite video game of all time still is Zelda. 
Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, I, I know you've got to go in a bit, so let's, let's pivot at this point. Um, how has the recent announcement of Yuga Labs affected you? Um, I mean, you know, you, the, the, the IP and all of that has now been acquired both for CryptoPunks and MeBits by Yuga Labs. What does it mean for you guys? Because I do know that you did have some kind of advisory level from, from Lava Labs. Is that correct? I mean, you have been in contact with them from, from, from the start, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, yes. I am so excited about this news. And I think every single MeBit holder kind of shares that perspective with me. Um, you know, Larva Labs created the collection, but, you know, just the very existence of the DAO is evidence of the fact that, you know, they weren't fully invested in building out the utility for the collection. Um, and so uh, what we've seen, though, from Yuga Labs and how they've treated Bored Apes is, you know, they're all about kind of continuing to create utility and uh, create value for, for the collection. So on that, on that, just on a very high level, I'm very, very excited about working with the Yuga Labs um, on MeBits. Secondarily, you know, the first thing that they said was that they were giving commercial rights to all MeBit holders. And, and that's huge. Um, I, I think all MeBit holders were excited to hear that. And that also gives us as a DAO more leeway in what we're building um, because basically everything we, we previously we needed permission from uh, Larva Labs to do and now we have uh, you know kind of the doors are open to a lot more creative possibilities. You know I'd, I'd love to ask you a question that I always kind of chew on um, I mean look you know as, as what you said I mean I I think it overall is great. I, I can't see a downside to this. You know, uh, people can say what they want about Yuga Labs, but they have shown no reason for us to doubt that they are long-term here and trying to be good stewards of the space. I know some people want as kind of as many brands as possible and not kind of this heavy consolidation. But I personally think, you know, that the fact that our, our biggest player in the space is a native-born kind of collection that has got to this point and now is buying its own OG in a way. Uh, I think that's very positive for the space overall. What I wanted to ask you is, where do you sit on the question of IP rights versus collective commons, right? I mean, you know, I'm looking there at Carambonia and I know that he's, yeah. he's quite involved in cryptodes. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't seem to, I, I mean, I don't know if there's the right answer yet. So more along the lines of what do you think of, IP rights versus collective commons. And, and sorry, for those who don't know what I mean is, yeah. cryptodes and um, allow, is, no one owns IP rights, right? So in, in, in other words, everyone can take what they want and make derivatives and do whatever the hell they like versus Bored Ape, uh, the individual holders have the IP rights for their specific Bored Ape and Yuga Lab retains the IP rights for kind of the overall collection and its style and so on. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, well stated. I think there's room for both is my answer. Um, and I don't think that there, I don't think there is, you know, one right and one wrong. I think that there's room for both. I, I, you know, I love Emfers, uh, for example, which is a creative commons one. Um, and it's just so cool to see a lot of the creativity that comes out from Emfer uh, holders uh, in building out derivative collections and other sorts of projects. Um, but I also think that if we think about mass adoption of Web3 and of NFTs that um, 
having some retention of IP rights and being able to make uh, deals with media, uh, you know, entities and different things like that um, gives a lot of possibility for the success of, of a collection. So I think there's, there's room for both. And, you know, I, I think that Yuga Labs is going to like demonstrate and show all of us in the Web3 space kind of uh, what value can be created by actually having kind of a centralized uh, IP. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. Um, okay, let's open up to some questions if there are any. Um, I see that MJ, MJB is saying something that is a good point. He's asking, uh, do you think that 2D metaverses would be better exposure to a wider market, aka third world countries, lower social economics markets, etc., based on 3D Unreal Unity platforms acquiring better device operating power? Um, I mean, I'll answer that, MJB. I think, of course. I mean, you know, the lower the, the graphic barrier of entry, the more likely it is to get a mobile version or require uh, kind of lower computing power and, and lower quality internet. So absolutely, uh, you know, barriers of entries are always a consideration. Um, you know, people looking now with the Unity and the, the Unreal Engine, uh, there is a reason why the sandbox, for example, in NFT world have gone with Vox and Voxel styles or, or Minecraft styles, because if your goal is to have as many people interacting as possible, uh, as opposed to player versus environment, then you need to uh, have 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 as many people being able to stuffed into a single space as possible. So yeah, that's that's a, both a good point and and worth stating. Um, okay, do you have any points? Do you think we haven't mentioned that we should be mentioning? I'm looking here if we've got any questions, but I don't think so. Well, I'll just mention that um, you know it's hard to get through a full roadmap, uh, you know, uh, in in a, in a short call. Um, so I mentioned a few of the things we're doing, but we did just actually launch a product today uh, that I that I wanted, I think is bear mentioning, right? When we think about the open oh. metaverse, again, we talked about all these different branches. One branch is augmented reality, right? The interaction of our digital lives with our physical IRL lives. And we launched today um, MeBits in the Wild, which is a Snapchat AR lens um, that has MeBits built in. So you can actually go and kind of use this lens, point it at somebody or yourself, right? And the me bit will show up uh, either just as a, as a head or as the full body. And we're doing a little contest with people kind of doing, showing, uploading to, to Twitter me bits in the wild and giving away some NFTs uh, as prizes for the, the most popular ones that get uploaded. Very cool, very cool, I like that. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, that's that balance that you said, right? Constant engagement, especially when ultimately, you know, you've been a very patient DAO because all of these platforms you're building for, you know, aren't, aren't even really ready to host you. Um, I mean, we can, we can mention that for a little bit. I mean, sa the sandbox is looking very promising, but there's very few people to actually talk to over there if you want to integrate the collection. Yeah, we're doing that too. So we're, we're in touch uh, with the Sandbox team and they're going to be integrating MeBits into that into Sandbox, which is um, really exciting. And we're really, we're really excited about that. Wonderful. Well, I'll have to poke you about that as well, because I, I do think it is worth mentioning that a lot of people have wanted to try and do that. But it, it's, you know, it's a chicken and the egg situation sometimes, right? Like this whole space, a week or a month, like 10 years, 
<laughs> these, you know, and these big platforms do take a bit of time to build. And they're like, we'll get to you, we'll get to you. And, you know, and, and so it's that whole thing of kind of, you know, you, you want them in the blockchain, you want everyone to have the ownership. So there is a, a, a kind of higher process to be done. And yet at the same time, it's like, you know, when, when can I have my Leibit or Fat Cat inside of the sandbox? So, yeah, patience is not a virtue in this space, <laughs> but something we have to live with. Yeah. Yeah. Every, any Mebit holder can kind of integrate their, their individual Mebit into Sandbox now. The tools exist for that. But doing so as an entire collection is obviously a little more challenging. So that's what we're working with the Sandbox team on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Formally, formally recognizing the collection is a difficult part. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think we covered some good points over here. Um, you know, everyone can kind of reach out if they need to. And um, your your Mebits Discord is a gated community. To, sorry, gated community, right? Like people no. cannot just join. No, no, oh, it's no, open it's now. Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, wonderful. That 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 happened for a short period of time. I think when it launched, which. I regret um, I wasn't there during that time, but you know I believe in the open metaverse. I don't I don't like uh, getting communities in that way. Um, so yeah. our Discord, the Mebits DAO, is open for everybody. There are certain channels that are open just for members, kind of like with all Discord communities. Sure, so sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, but I, everybody's invited. Um, if there are any Mebits DAO members who are here on this call, we do have. 30 allow list spots to fat cats uh so that's pretty cool um and so that's uh in our allow list channel open to members super super and um to those listening i'm going to be ran let's give a random whitelist spot to g-u-t-t please open a ticket afterwards and let's get Mimo um 50 catnip and the phantom will get uh 50 catnip as well uh, and blue moon 50 catnip so just open tickets everyone uh, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we've been in discussions. And look, I, I, I've got a feeling we're going to be talking to you guys often over time because I think that uh, your experience as a DAO uh, and working with these different platforms is going to be really important for helping integrate the rest of us. Because, you know, there's even a, I would say there's even a win-win aspect to this. Because if you can't bring your friends, then what the hell is the point of the Metaverse platform, right? And so <laughs> if... if if, if the sandbox is taking a bit longer than they should, and, you know, it's like, how the hell do we get it done, Carabonia? You know, I poke Carabonia with these questions. Like, who do we talk to? Like, you know, there's this open sea and there's no one to talk to at open sea, right? And the sandbox is a bit better. But at the same time, it was like, who, who do you contact to, to get things done? And so I think that, you know, maybe you guys want to have a bit of a consultancy firm as a side gig as well, you know, as another revenue stream, because I'm sure that all of your trials and tribulations are going to be very useful to collections like ours that are saying, right, how do we integrate now? We own some land, but, you know, what's the point of just owning land if we can't kind of flex our, our personal representation and our, our, our community? Yeah. I love what you said as well about kind of, uh, you know, building those bridges and, and, and kind of finding ways for different collections to kind of come together. You know, the Mebit's birthday is coming up on May 3rd. You know, we might be throwing a metaverse party. And uh, if so, you guys, you guys are invited. Awesome. We're going to hold you to that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, please check out the cafe schedule in Fat Cats. Uh, we have a number of kind of guests this week, um, even creeps, I believe, coming on soon. So, 
yeah, we've got a big lineup. And again, thank you so much, Danny, and we'll certainly stay in touch. Thanks so much. Take care and good luck with the lineup. Bye, everyone.